we're on track to receive more than $100 million in external awards. And this is the first time that, that external awards would have exceeded $100 million in a, in a single fiscal year. On the graduate enrollment side, we are also growing in that area too. Doctoral enrollment for the first time exceeded 500 doctoral students. This spring's graduate enrollment surpassed 2,400 graduate students for the first time. That's Scott Delcourt, Associate Vice President for Graduate Studies, talking about the growth of the research enterprise at the University of Maine and the growing number of students who are in graduate school. I'm Ron Luznet, and this is the Maine Question Podcast. Graduate study and research is certainly a major part of UMaine's mission and the economy of Maine. It's certainly come a long way since the awarding of the very first master's degree back in 1881. There are now 70 master's and 30 doctoral areas of study, 140 graduate programs in all. Grad school at UMaine draws students from all over the country and 67 other countries as well. Those 2,400-plus grad students work alongside UMaine faculty members and researchers on many of the big issues of our time. Biomedical work through the Graduate School for Biomedical Science and Engineering, improving the teaching of science through the RISE Center, and of particular interest in 2021, fighting pandemics in a number of ways. The complete list of topics is way too deep to list here, but we'll dive into some of those in this episode. Aside from that beneficial research, you could consider these students as part of the state's workforce of mostly young people working and living in Maine in some key growth areas and businesses. Last week, we focused our show on undergraduate research at UMaine. This week, grad students get the spotlight. Much of the work in both these arenas will be highlighted in the annual student symposium kicking off April 16th, virtually this year. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us. I know it's a busy time of year and we appreciate you sharing uh, some of your story with us. Maybe just so our audience can identify who is speaking, let's, uh, let's start with some introductions and maybe you could talk about what is your elevator pitch for your research. If you had, you know, 19 seconds to convince somebody that you're doing something worthwhile, what, what are you doing? And what was the spark for why you chose this particular topic to research. So Camden, maybe let's start with you. Maybe talk about uh, where you're from, what you're studying, and then tell us about your project. My name is Camden Bach, uh, and I grew up in uh, New Boston, New Hampshire. I am in the STEM education PhD program at the University of Maine, and I um, work on diagrams and school geometry. Um, In particular, I'm interested in how we can design or use technologies that put students at the center of their interactions with geometry rather than sticking them in, in textbooks or teacher's drawings on a chalkboard, chalkboard, working with virtual reality and getting their hands on manipulating things. And why is that a subject that is of interest to you? Virtual reality gives us uh, some different affordances. So we can have uh, like like a pyramid that you can step inside and, and you can look at aspects from within, or you can look at how your body intersects with it, or you can have things like uh, parallel lines that extend indefinitely into the distance, uh, approximately reaching the horizon that wouldn't be possible with with uh, paper and pencil or, or a chalkboard. Or... Like we all learned. I remember it vaguely. <laughs> Dan, maybe tell us about your project, where you're from, and, and uh, what, what you're doing and, and why that, that is a passion for you. I'm Dan Regan, uh, originally from Cleveland, Ohio. So I'm doing my PhD in biomedical engineering here at the University of Maine. And so my project is really working on something that we're calling liquid nets. And so the idea behind this is improving filter-based air sampling. And so obviously right now we're in the middle of a pandemic and most of it 
uh, what we believe is potentially spread via aerosol droplets. And so if we can improve the filters we're using to capture these airborne pathogens, then it will improve our ability to actually monitor the spread and the presence of these biological threats in the future. And so this is something that kind of stemmed out of my my passion for getting into biodefense and not being in the military, but assisting the military in their mission. And so being able to take that platform that we were re- originally looking at for medevac contamination and applying it towards the pandemic is something that we're just kind of fortunate we're able to make that fast transition here at UMaine. Timely research for sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Scott, tell us what your position is and how you figure into all this. And maybe can you just sort of paint the, the picture for us, big picture, in terms of graduate level research here at the University of Maine? Tell us uh, some things that we might not know about that that you'd care to share with us. Thanks, Ron. My role here at the University of Maine is is as uh, Associate Vice President for Graduate Studies. I have been in the graduate school now for, for 25 years. Prior to that, I was I had a cooperating appointment in the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology. The University of Maine, as you know, is a is a land grant university, uh, meaning that it has a tripartite mission related to teaching research and and outreach service activities. Our role within the state is an important one, both for providing public education uh, for the citizens of Maine and beyond but also for, for providing meaningful research across a variety of disciplines. Both Camden and, and Dan provided two very good examples of research pertaining to education for our population and our, our younger citizens. And then more uh, recently, with the outbreak of the pandemic and a dire need in the state to have assistance in, in handling this, uh, Dan's research related to, uh, to some of the um, response uh, that the University of Maine has generated in the in the past year. Not only that research, uh, some of the activities of the Scientific Advisory Board, I, I, I believe you uh, had a conversation with Dr. Melissa McGinnis about some of the undergraduate research that's been going on. And so uh, the University of Maine, uh, uh, as a flagship research university, exists uh, both to serve that educational mission and that research mission for the common good. Maybe you could give us some numbers or some stats that, that uh, might help define what we're talking about here. I've, just some numbers I pulled off of a website looking at it quickly. In FY19, there was $137 plus million spent on externally funded research. And in 2018-2019, I believe there are 362 masters and PhDs awarded is that sort of where we're at now? What, what, is it a growing enterprise right now? Or where are we at present day here in 2021? We are indeed a growing enterprise. We're within this fiscal year, we're on track to receive more than $100 million in external awards. And that, that's competitive external awards, not money from the CARES Act and other allocations that have been provided to the university. And this is the first time that that external awards would have exceeded one one hundred million in a in a single fiscal year. On the graduate enrollment side, we are also growing in that area too. Uh, this past fall, even with all of the changes related to the pandemic, uh, doctoral enrollment for the first time exceeded five hundred doctoral students. In this spring, uh, which is unusual for spring, because usually a spring enrollment tends to be a slightly smaller than fall enrollment, but but this spring's graduate enrollment surpassed 2,400 graduate students for the first time. Camden, maybe you could start talking about, did you do research as an undergraduate student 
And how did that transition happen? Or did you just decide to go to grad school once you got your undergraduate degree? Was this something you always thought you were going to do? Or did you pivot and dive into this area? I did my undergraduate at Bates College in Lewiston, Maine. Um, and I was in a mathematics program there and then also working on uh, teacher credentials at the same time. Um, and so my my research there was in in mathematics sort of applied to educational systems. I was interested in machine learning algorithms. Most of my focus was was on preparing to be a teacher at that time. I got connected th through sort of coincidence with one of the assistant deans of the College of Education and uh, ended up getting connected with my current advisor, Justin Dimmel, who wanted to start playing with some virtual reality and geometry. And I was just really excited about um, the idea idea that I could do uh, some some research that was timely and, and about what what was happening that was in 2016 so it was the within months of these devices becoming ready for consumers to go into Best Buy and buy off the shelf um, even if they were quite expensive at that time so so the timeliness of the research was really exciting I had imagined myself maybe going to to grad school like sometime within the next decade at that point but that the timeliness and, and the potential to work with um, teachers and, and partner schools um, at through the University of Maine uh, sort of convinced me to do it right off. Dan, how about you? Did you do research as an undergraduate and did that transfer to what you're doing now or is this uh, uh, did you come late to that to that decision? So I think I was one of those individuals uh, that maybe was a little bit too headstrong in what they wanted to do with their, their career. So I went to Miami University in Southwest Ohio and right off the bat, I uh, met with a research advisor and started doing undergraduate research my freshman year there. And at that point, it was more so I really love research and I want to get involved and let's figure out what lab can give me that overall research experience and get my, my feet wet per se. And then uh, for engineering, we all had to do our senior capstones, and that really kind of helped solidify that bioengineering is the right home for me. And so when I was doing my graduate school applications, um, I mentioned in my personal statements, you know, that I want to be doing biodefense research, looking at either working with the Department of Defense or somebody like DARPA. And so when I applied here to the Graduate School of Biomedical Science and Engineering, uh, my PhD advisor, Dr. Caitlin Howell, actually kind of brought up those statements and said, hey, I've worked with these folks in the past. I think we could do something really cool here. And so kind of that research building from undergrad and translating it to grad school definitely was a huge help and also ended up why I'm in Maine. Scott, we did a podcast last week with, as you mentioned, Melissa McGinnis uh, from Cougar, the Center for Undergraduate Research, and spoke to three undergraduates. Can you talk about that transition? Obviously, that is a pipeline that you'd like to see grow and provide more students. Uh, research has really become a hallmark for undergraduates here at the University of Maine. And I don't know if you're seeing that grow the graduate school enterprise here at UMaine as well, or if that's a trend across the country, or how, how's that working? It is important, I think, increasingly important, particularly in, in undergraduate students that aspire to, to graduate study. Uh, and even even more specifically at the, the doctoral level, to get engaged in research as undergraduate students. Certainly there are students that, that will enter master's level programs where maybe their research experience uh, at the undergraduate level hasn't been as uh, uh, involved. But 
certainly most of our doctoral programs, uh, when they're considering applicants, are looking for students that have been uh, engaged in research, either as undergraduate students or or have completed a master's degree that has involved research. Camden may may have more to say about this, but I I think the the trend is also to to expand this to K to sixteen. Uh, level so to get students involved in in research even as younger students uh, NSF has NSF has had programs in the past including um, a program called GK12 uh, teaching fellows uh, that the University of Maine was a recipient of where some of our graduate students work specifically with teachers in the the K to 12 arena working with those teachers to get the students more engaged in science and engineering and mathematics uh, from an earlier age Camden and Dan, maybe you could speak to this, but it's one thing to be passionate about the topic you you really are interested in. It's another to learn how to do research, how to analyze data, how to collect data, how to do all the things that you have to do to explore your topic. So was that a daunting task to try to figure that out? Did you get help along the way? Maybe Camden, start with you. How, How did you begin all this? That's where I sort of had to disconnect with with what I had for research experience from undergrad was I at that point I was working with designing algorithms and and I shifted to human subjects research, uh, which I didn't think would be daunting and maybe maybe I should have uh, been <laughs> slightly more wary. I did a, a master's at the University of Maine uh, while enrolled in the the PhD program and. So I, I ran a study working with um, pairs of, of pre-service teachers, looking at how they use a few different um, diagrams in virtual reality, um, and I I learned a lot. I was I was fortunate that I had um, coinciding coursework about research methodologies, so that I could be um, working on versions of this data collection and analysis while I was taking courses on on how to do that, and that's that's set me up um, as soon as. COVID situation relaxes a little bit. I'm excited for a, another round of data collection. Dan, obviously, you, you, most graduate students, virtually all of them, get help from their advisors and mentors. But was it hard to figure out how to begin or how to you know, tackle the problem that you were hoping to look at? You know, I think you bring up a good point, and Camden, I think, touched on this a little bit as well as, you know, I describe bioengineering as just this general toolbox, almost like a mechanics toolbox. And everyone that has their own project or subspecialty, essentially what they're doing is becoming a master craftsman with that one tool. And so we all have this foundational understanding of science and that's kind of what our toolbox lets us go to but our advisors are the folks that really kind of tell you hey when you get this tool you want to turn it to setting three and that's going to help you really get the job done quicker and so it's a mixture of having that understanding being able to go and explore things on your own and then once you have an idea of how to approach that topic you go to your advisor and you pitch that idea and you say, hey, Dr. Howell, I think we need to be looking at it from this perspective. This is how I'm trying to approach it. Do you have any ideas on how we can make it get to that next step? And it's just that collaborative effort of putting in the initiative yourself, but your uh, PhD advisor kind of helping you guide along the way to make sure you don't get too far off course or really when you hit that wall, re-strategizing and rethinking it. So it's been... It's always has its challenges, but if it wasn't challenging, it wouldn't be fun for us. You have to figure it out for yourself ultimately, but you have guidance along the way. Exactly. Scott, maybe you could talk about once these students uh, achieve their master's or their PhD, 
Where do they go? Do many of them stay in the state of Maine? Are, do you consider them sort of, as their graduate students, part of the Maine workforce? I mean, they're coming from all over the world and doing this work here. They're living here and having to get housing and everything else. So how, how, do, how are they viewed beyond being graduate students? It's interesting, Ron. You know, I, I think I've read papers that talk about universities as talent magnets. It's certainly a vehicle for attracting very knowledgeable people, uh, talented people from from not only all over the country, from but from all over the world. And we have a substantial international population, you know, between the undergraduate and the graduate levels, about 400 to 500 students uh, come from foreign countries. Many of them, uh, when they come to study in the United States, do remain in the United States uh, uh, when they finished, meaning the international students. Uh, maybe not all in Maine, um, but but certainly settle and, and find jobs uh, in the in the United States and contribute to the economy. I think, um, you know, we've seen the same thing with Maine in that many of the students that relocate here from other parts of, of the nation and the world like the lifestyle and, and do tend to settle if there are jobs available. I mean, that, and that's always the chicken and egg thing. Uh, we're we're producing very talented people, and the economy certainly has to catch up to that and and uh, uh, develop the the jobs for them to fill. Uh, many times, our graduates uh, solve that themselves by by creating companies that that generate the jobs. I think you'd find over the past number of years uh, that the University of Maine has produced a number of of masters and and PhD graduates that have settled in in Maine and have um, contributed to the economy. Let's talk briefly about the student symposium coming up. I believe it's obviously it's going to be virtual this year, and it's on April 16th, but um, many, much of the material will be available before that and, and presumably after that. Are you both, uh, Camden and Dan, going to uh, present at that? And, and how important is it? Did you have to learn how to effectively communicate what your thesis and what your research is about so that if you had to explain it to Aunt Edna at the Thanksgiving table, she'd understand what the heck you're talking about. I mean, is that something that you, a skill you had to acquire as well? Camden, maybe start with you. That's definitely been something that I've been working on and I, and I continue to like the, to hope to grow further in. Um, but part of that is, is working with a variety of different audiences. So, so um, working with um, teachers uh, from surrounding schools um, as, as part of this work, um, and then also working with research communities and, and going to conferences um, with varying perspectives. Dan, how about you? Did you have to learn how to effectively communicate what you're working on? Definitely. I think it's science communication has become kind of this informal part of graduate education, but it's always sort of been there through conferences, symposiums, and papers. Um, it, every time you get a new project, you're constantly trying to figure out new ways of expressing those ideas, especially for us kind of in the, the hard sciences because we don't get to interact with the public as much, right? If you're a medical student, you're doing clinical rotations, you're in the hospitals, the public gets to see you. I'm in a wet lab 95% of the day, so no one really gets to see my research unless we go and do these these research talks. And so the symposium has always been for me kind of that, that first gut check. Is what I'm doing relevant? And can I relate that to the people around me in similar fields, but also just the people of Maine in general? And so the symposium has always been that first real check before we go to like, 
chemical biodefense uh, science technology conference. So it's always been nice to have. I should mention at this point that we were hoping to have Ashley Susi, who is a microbiology uh, graduate student, join us. We're going to talk to her separately and weave her in with you guys. So, In fact, we'll bring Ashley Susi into the conversation now. She is one of a growing number of students working in a key growth area for the state of Maine, biomedical research. Ashley, thanks for joining us. Maybe you could just introduce yourself and tell us what your thesis and what your graduate work is about and why you had an interest in, in pursuing this particular field. Yeah, so hi, I'm Ashley. I am currently a third year GSBSC graduate student in Dr. Lucy Liao's lab at the Maine Medical Center Research Institute in Scarborough. My project is actually focused on understanding how obesity changes the communication between the adipose or the fat depots that surround the vessels in our body and that's how that signaling actually impacts vascular function in order to promote cardiovascular disease. We use a lot of different models to study this and we actually get some human patient samples as well. So it's highly translational. And that was one of the things that really drew me to this dissertation project is really the impact that it could have on not only just the country as a whole as obesity is a global epidemic and is a leading risk factor for cardiovascular disease, but also for people in Maine. So helping people sounds like was a spark for you and, and making a difference in the medical world. Is that sort of what, what was that a motivator for you? Yes, definitely. I've always been interested in kind of understanding the why and the how specifically behind sort of the medical diseases that a lot of people are faced with. So being able to come into this lab was definitely a leading interest for me. Can you talk about how you came to decide to pursue graduate work? Is this something you always thought you would do or did you participate in research as an undergrad and it just sort of evolved? How, how did that all work? It really evolved or my love or interest for research really evolved from my undergraduate years. So. I actually completed my undergraduate degree at the University of Maine as well. For all four years, I actually completed an independent research project through Dr. Melissa McGinnis' lab um, on the Maine Orono campus. And being able to have such an in-depth and complete research experience for all those four years really showed me that this is what I'm really interested in and this was kind of where my passion developed. I would say that the University of Maine and Dr. McGinnis's lab had a huge impact kind of on my direction and that's what really led me into the grad school. Are you going to be involved with the student symposium coming up? I will be, yes. I'll be providing a oral presentation virtually. Talk about that and it's obviously a, a huge collection of a lot of the research that's going on in the state all on one day from, from one place. Can you talk about being part of that and how important is it to be able to communicate what you're working on so people really get it. I really enjoy the student symposium, not only from the fact that it's student work, but from the standpoint that it is a wide range anywhere from like as a freshman you can present all the way up to someone who's finishing their graduate degree, essentially. So it's a wide range, not only in education and development at that standpoint, but also the breadth of topics that are covered. You know, it's not just STEM, related topics or a lot of liberal art topics and 
students who present their work. And I think, you know, especially being this far into the pandemic just recently, I think has really showed how important it is to share, you know, and have an open communication as far as what you're developing and what you're working on. And I think that's true no matter what field you're working in. You have perhaps a unique perspective on this being an undergraduate here at the University of Maine and now a graduate student, you're working in the southern part of the state. What would you say about the state of biomedical research and where it's where it is right now in the state of Maine and where it could go? I'm very happy and excited because I think at first people kind of count Maine out a little bit as far as the, all the opportunities that there are here. But if you just take a minute to look, there's a lot of interesting and really groundbreaking work that's happening. And not, like we said, not just at Orono itself, but throughout the state as a whole. And I think that is very exciting. And I know that there are a lot of people who are working to bring more diversity as far as work opportunities and research opportunities into the state. So I'm really excited to see what's gonna happen in the next couple of years here. Big picture, where do you wanna take all this? What do you hope to be doing with all of this as you project out years or you know, even decades down the road here. Yeah, I am really hoping to be able to stay located in Maine. I just really like the environment here. I love the people. And I think that Maine has a lot to offer, not just regionally or even within statewide, but I think like Nash on a national scale or maybe even global scale, I think Maine can have a really big impact. And we've got a lot of dedicated, really motivated and really smart people in the state already. So I think I think it's gonna be an exciting place to be in the next few years. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and, and best of luck with all of uh, your work uh, going into the future. Yes, thank you very much. But as we think about wrapping up here, let's, let's get from, from each of you sort of where you hope to take this, uh, you know, out into the future. What, what do you hope to do with what you're working on? And then maybe Scott, you can wrap it up with where you see graduate education here at the University of Maine going in the future as well. So what's going to be the end result of all this? Camden, for you, what, what do you hope to accomplish with, with all this work you're putting in? From a research perspective, like I'm, I'm excited to see if we can use some of these new technologies to, to change how, how students are positioned in, in, in schools. Um, but I'm, I'm also excited for, from a career perspective to um, get into teacher education at some point. And I, I would love to be um, part of uh, a faculty at a university somewhere that's sort of shaping the next generation of teachers and, and changing how they're thinking about how their students interact with mathematics. Dan, how about you? Where are you going to take all of this? The exciting thing for us here at the University of Maine is we've been able to really expand our reach over the last couple of years in, in both our research efforts, but also where that information is getting. We're actually partnering with the UMaine Extension Co-op to get the biological safety level three facility running. And so the next couple of months, we'll be actually taking those liquid net filters and testing them against live SARS-CoV-2, which is really exciting because it gives us that opportunity to have that direct application of my dissertation research. And then I'm actually defending my PhD here in April and then moving down to DC to start a postdoc with the National Research Council and the Naval Research Lab. So just so I understand, this filter that you're talking about, this will be able to detect COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 uh, in, the, in the atmosphere, in the air of a room, per, per se? Right. So it, most folks are 
uh, familiar with HEPA filters, and really HEPA filters are designed to block the recirculation of particulates. What we're trying to do with these liquid nets is capture those uh, particulates within the air and then transfer them for analysis. And so the idea behind this is we're going to develop a more efficient filter at releasing those trapped biological pathogens. So we're able to detect SARS-CoV-2 or other emerging infectious diseases and pandemics that may come in the future. Certainly timely, that's for sure. Scott, maybe just give us the, the big picture. I know research is a, a, a major part of what the University of Maine does, and that is growing. Where do you see this headed? When I, I talk to graduate colleagues uh, from around the country and uh, about the future direction of graduate education, it, it's already clear that we're heading in more of an interdisciplinary direction. The, the buzzwords these days are convergent science, which is another way of saying teams of scientists from a, a variety of disciplines that are, are engaged uh, to, to solve more complex problems that require more than one disciplinary perspective. With both Camden and, and Dan, uh, they're both doctoral students in some of our interdisciplinary units. So, so Camden is from the RISE Center, the Research and Science Education Center. Dan is a member of the Graduate School of Biomedical Science and Engineering. Uh, I, I fully expect that over the next five to 10 years that the University of Maine will broaden its uh, portfolio of, of interdisciplinary programs to address some of these, these complex problems. Well, again, the symposium uh, is officially kicks off April 16th, but we appreciate you taking the time and uh, best of luck in the future with everything. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Ron. To find out more about graduate research at UMaine, head to umaine.edu slash graduate. If you want to know more about the student symposium, check out cougar.umaine.edu. That's c-u-g-r.umaine.edu. Thanks, as always, for joining us on The Main Question. We can be found on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Drop us a line if you have questions or comments at mainquestion at maine.edu. This is Ryan Lisnett. We'll catch you next time on The Main Question.